Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and I'm very, very, very excited to welcome back one of my favorite people ever, Dave Giannini. <laughs> How are you? No, I'm doing great. I got three varies. I'm I'm very, very, very honored you to be here. Have, so. I mean, look, <laughs> you have no idea how much I've missed podcasting with you. And I know it's like partially my fault. I went through a lot of life changes where I couldn't. I, I mean, I would say time. like, I would say like it's 99% your fault. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's- <laughs> I, I'll take that, you know, and you know, but I, I've missed it, and I'm very happy that you're here, especially for this movie. Um, Thank you. We're talking about the 1969 film Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Yes. Um, and I would love to hear kind of your general thoughts on the movie. I know you watched it two years ago mm-hmm. on my recommendation, apparently, yes. when it was on Criterion Channel. Yep, yep, yep. So what did you think of it then? What do you think of it now? Okay, yeah, it is perfect that like I'm here for this episode. I mean, it always is when I'm here for an episode, yeah. but especially in this case, because this is a movie like I feel like I knew the name of, like it's just kind of a known thing yeah. uh, in movie circles, but something I had no idea what it was about. I didn't know who was in it, but my friend Manish was like, Dave, you will love this movie. You should go watch it. You have the, you're an idiot and spend money on the Criterion channel. <laughs> You should go watch it. And I did just, and that was the entire recommendation. And I absolutely loved it. And I think the the thing that blew me away most the first time I watched it was Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, because oh, yeah. I think I think my only experience with Natalie Wood before this movie was um, obviously West Side Story yeah. um, and Rebel Without a Cause. And that was it. Um, and these those are very different characters than the character she's playing here, sure. to put it mildly, right? Yeah. So she just kind of like, oh, my God. Like, she completely blew me away. Um, and it was one of those movies that as soon as I watched it, I was like, oh, I'll definitely watch this again. And here we are two years later. And yet again, you have to tell me, Dave, go watch <laughs> Set it Alice. Yeah, and I do. So I just depend on you. Uh, every time I need to watch this movie, I just expect you will tell me. Yeah. Uh, every <laughs> every two years, I'm gonna be like, all right, yes. it's time, Robert yes. and <laughs> Carol and Theodore and Alice. Um, yeah. yeah. And 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 so this time, it, you know, it's so interesting to watch a piece like this that is so even. Um, I mean, it is called Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, so it should be, right? All of these four characters should really connect at some level. And I think it's kind of masterfully created in that way. I don't think there's any one character where you're like, oh, it's it's mostly about Alice or it's, it's not. It's really well divided. Yeah. And this and this time watching it, I was just I was struck by Diane Cannon uh, more that than was, anyone else. That was my big thing. Like, that's yeah. my big take. Um, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I had a, you know, I watched this, yeah, two years ago when it was on Criterion Channel. I was, like, really gearing up for either a Criterion release or, like, some kind of Natalie Wood retrospective yeah. on the channel because um, I love Natalie Wood and I think she gets a lot of, um, I feel like she's very underrated, even though she's been a part of so many, yeah, you I know, agree. classic movies. And, you know, my big take with Natalie Wood is that she really was instrumental in the breaking down of the Hays Code and the ushering mm-hmm. of movies from the 1950s into, you know, the 70s with, you know, movies like Rebel Without a Cause, which was like groundbreaking at the time, and Splendor in the Grass, um, which was like a very progressive, very like movie about, a very progressive movie about sexual awakening and mm-hmm the patriarchy and all and all that good stuff and then you know west side story of course being like you know in a game changer broadway show and then also redefined how we watch movies and how we watch movie musicals and then this movie you know which is all about the free love era or um you know sort of the, the 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 veneer of the 
you know, of that, of that era. Right. So um, I, I'm a big fan of Natalie Wood. I, I think people, a lot of people like to criticize her as an actress. Um, of, they love to make a lot of fun puns about her last name. Um, oh yeah. A and, wooden uh, performance. Yeah. Yes, yes. And to that, I say, wow, that's a really great joke that no one's ever made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. And you know, the, the first time I saw this movie was actually like in 2011, 2012, when like I had my first apartment, like where I lived alone. And I asked my parents who were paying my cable bill, if they would allow me to get like the sports and movie package for TCM, <laughs> which is like <laughs> an extra, like, I don't know, a lot of money. And they were very generous. And right. You're like, really? I want it for the sports. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I watched TCM. Like, I made good use of that because money well spent. Money well spent. And that's where I saw this movie. And I I thought it was going to be this, like, really sexy movie. Like, it was one of those movies, kind of like Eyes Wide Shut, where it's like you have this, like, the reputation of being a very, like, sexy movie, very, you know. And, like eyes wide shut this movie is a very like i think scathing portrayal of of marriage and yes. um hypocrisy and, and, all, and all that so um i was really you know i was really excited to um invite you onto this podcast to talk about this movie just because uh i love this movie and i love you and i'm happy that you're here um so my first question or my next question for you is why do straight people make things so hard <laughs> Are you asking me because I've been in uh, in opposite gendered relationships? Is I now have to answer for the straights? Is yeah, that- I, yeah, yeah. You you're the spokesman on this podcast. <laughs> oh, God. So. Yeah. No, but I mean, like this movie, I think is like the like poster child for straight people making everything such a chore and really yeah, not they like, make they even make wife swapping feel fucking boring and yeah. like just <laughs> obnoxious and you're like this is supposed to be fun guys yeah. it's sex it's supposed to be fun um i actually it uh, as i was watching this it made me think of um it made me think actually of like Dan Savage and his podcast. Cause yeah, he talks yeah. about this. He talks about this all the time where like straight people will call him and be like, my friend slept with my ex-boyfriend. And he's like, and yeah. what do you, yeah. what, what's the problem? And, and with gay folks, it's like, well, there's not as many of us. So you're going to end up fucking someone's ex-boyfriend. It's just going to happen. And straight people, there's just too many of them. Manish yeah. is really the issue. And it's just like, yeah, but it's, I, I think also people who are straight, like capital S straight, never have supposedly have never had a gay thought, which is not yeah. true, but, but supposedly have not, right? They, by doing that, have bought into the heterosexual structure of our world, the kind of nor- quote unquote normal structure. Yeah. So it's like you have yeah. to do it like this. We can't possibly. And there's like uh, there's a very telling scene in the movie right before the supposed swapping is going to happen. And <laughs> one of the characters is like, no, of course, I find her attractive, but she's like my sister. I'm like, <laughs> that is such an interesting pairing of lines, Mr. Gould. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. a lot of questions uh, about that, but it's, you know, it's like that line you, you don't dare cross. And that's a lot of what this movie's about. And it, I find it so interesting. It's so well-written that you expect when the, when the cheating first happens between one of our, one of our couples, you kind of expect with this heteronormative structure of this woman to be like very hurt by this and i love watching natalie wood's performance in that scene you yeah. can see her character work through like am i jealous what am i feeling am i am i upset because i'm supposed to be upset am i actually upset and then she works through it and goes like you know what no i'm i'm okay and he is so upset by this like yeah. supposed to, god i just told the truth you should be screaming at me right now and then yeah. later it's flipped it's so funny like Again, the the hypocrisy of the straight white male comes and rears its ugly head where he gets so upset in the yeah. moment when he finds out she's done the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, he's like crying about it and freaking out and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, it's so brilliantly written. And yeah, straight people have a lot of problems, Manish. Uh, they all need a whole lot of therapy and frankly, to um, experiment uh, with same-sex relationships. They just need to branch out. It's also out. a lot of problems, I think. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what... I, I, I think what's so interesting about 
you know, uh, this film and, and about the dynamic between, you know, Bob and Carol um, is that there's just so much of um, just like the way that they communicate with each other. It's always so like detached, like where they're okay. trying to like overanalyzing literally everything they say, think, feel, hear, whatever. Right, right. And it almost to the effect where, to the effect where they're not communicating at all because they're so... Oh, yeah, they're so separated from all of it. They're intellectualizing yeah. everything. Totally. And I'm like, wow, is this what, like, like, to me, it just feels like this is very much a satire of that, like, 60s era. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I mean, well, this is a question that, this, this is my real question to you, is, like, this movie has to be, like, intentionally a satire right and it's like um and because like when i you know the the main theme of the song is like love is all you need or all we need is love and like i when i'm hearing the song i'm like the song was like people made fun of the song right like when it came out or like was it in the i mean so it's just like it's just so interesting to like see a movie that's that's like taking place like right at the tail end of this era where it's yeah. like really like poking holes at all these people who think they're so smart and they're so above all these like base human mm-hmm. emotions. But, you know, when push comes to shove, they are like just as primal as anyone else. And they are like, don't even know how to react to normal human like incident like events or totally totally and yeah i mean i think it's pretty clearly and a uh a satire yeah Uh, and i think you can really tell at a lot of levels but one is just how long the introduction of this movie is Mm. like i forgot that it's like 20 minutes at this retreat that they go to like i and for some reason in my memory that's like it's like two minutes it's just a weird thing and then they get back to their regular lives but it's pretty lengthy and all i kept thinking when i was watching it is i was wondering if the makers of midsummer watched bob and carol and ted Mm, that's interesting that sequence where there's a woman crying and they're all holding her and yeah yeah. it was very not reminiscent because this came long before but it definitely reminded me of that scene from midsummer but on a totally different plane Mm -hmm. right a totally different emotional level but it was very interesting and that that sequence when they first get home and they have the most awkward dinner date of all time yeah with, with their friends and this poor waiter who is oh man like, i love the waiter he, he might be my favorite person in the entire movie you know in this whole like no but what does my hair make you feel manish yeah what, what do you feel about my hair it's so obviously a joke and so obviously over the top that it can't help but be satirical Right. And I think yeah. that especially when you have uh, Cannon and Gould here, really like you could just see in their faces like, what the fuck happened to our friends? <laughs> like yeah. what 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 ha- they were gone for not that long. And now we have feelings about men's hair. Like what it, what happened here, you know, and I, you know, as I watched it this time, I really did lean towards that relationship the first time i watched it i was much more interested in the natalie wood yeah. uh, sequences this time i was just like oh these are the these are the people with more reality to them and they're reacting to this obviously insane situation you know where <laughs> like and we've all had i think we've all had those friends who go on a silent retreat or a meditation retreat or they learn Reiki or whatever it is. And then they come back and they're like, my life is altered. Everything right. is changed. Yeah. And you're like, um, I, I have to go to work. Like, what are you talking about? Why are we having this discussion? And we've all been there at some level. And I think at some level also, we've all been on the other side where we have this life changing experience and you want to, and you want to share it. But you have to like watch how you say it because you're like, yeah, but they weren't there. Um, so they don't understand what I'm talking about. So that dinner sequence may be one of my favorite sequences in the in the entire film. And I think the first time I watched it, it was also new and also awkward that I was just wildly uncomfortable. Uh-huh. But this time yeah. I kind of knew what was happening. I knew what was going to happen to these characters. So it was like my moment to kind of enjoy these interactions, you know, and, and the kind of final line of that sequence of like, I really feel 
that you should pay the check for us. It's a great line. There's a lot of really good lines here. It's really, really well written, really funny. And I think, you know, you, I don't know, you might've talked about this off there about kind of like, it's kind of an indictment of not only free love, but kind of an indictment of marriage as you watch it. And the, the ending always is just kind of a, a kick in the head because it's so, it's so different from the rest of the film. Yeah. Like it's very much like breaking the fourth wall and like looking at the, at the audience and going, well, (laughs) what do you think? What, what does this mean? Like, have I found my one person or is this an exercise in futility? All of it. And that's a pretty gutsy message by the end of the movie. Yeah. And I mean, even the filmmaking is so expressionistic, you know, yeah, totally. Um, for, this movie is very talky. It's, I mean, it's oh yeah, it's all people talking and people talking about themselves and their feelings and their friends and and then at the end when you know they finally decided to go through with this orgy, um, <laughs> <laughs> the worst yeah. orgy of all time. Like you ooh. have, <laughs> yeah, you have Elliot Gould in the bathroom and his like. Tidy whities The you know? strangest cut tidy whities of the history. Honestly. T- like, what is happening? Why are they so big? Why do they cover so much space? I just, I have questions. The, <laughs> yeah. The geography that this covers, I don't even know, like, where that, the, the man is tall, obviously. Y- yes. You know? Yes, yes, yes. But I think, I feel like they, they're like, oh, he's tall. He needs, like, extra tall tidy whities <laughs> But I'm like, that's just unnatural. Like, I don't understand right. his body. Yeah. Um, and he's a very attractive man. You I know? agree. I agree. In, yes. in the 70s and in, you know, in his friends era. Very attractive yes. man. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but uh, and then but then you have like, you know, Diane, Diane Cannon and Rava Culp and Nally Wood, like in this very like slow motion, very like fantasy-ish kind of like scene of them like flirting and falling into bed. Very like, is this really happening or is this just in his mind that like jealousy is beginning? Yeah. And then like they get into bed and they start to, there's that famous shot of the four of them in bed and then they start to kiss each other's spouses. And then slowly you start to realize that like, there's just like no passion. There's no sexual chemistry. chemistry. Yeah. They're like really forcing it. And they stop silently and just start to put their clothes back on. Then they go out and it's like nothing happened, but there's also like everything happened. Irrevocable yes. damage, you know. Totally. Um, you know, I Karina Longworth, one of I think both of our favorite podcasts. She I was did just her, about to bring her up. So great. She <laughs> yeah, um, she did her erotic 80s uh series, which was I think a, a Another triumph for her, but yeah, amazing. Um, yes. you know, she talked about this movie and she caught. I don't, I haven't listened to this episode since it came, but I remember her interpretation was that this sort of like reinforced, you know, the heteronormative marriage that saying, like, um, the ending just reinforces that you should stay in your marriage and like they're, you know, experimenting or the free love or whatever is like. <laughs> Is sort of the the. Do we think by the end of this that either of these relationships were ever healthy? Like I, I think that yeah, I think that if they do stay together, it'll just be out of like habit and out of like lying to themselves that their marriages are not broken. Like I think there's no way that two couples can make out with each other's spouses in the same bed without there being some kind of damage to it. And like, right. I mean, you know, like, I know we all like to joke, like, you know, for like queer men or queer people, like, you know, whatever, anything goes, but like, I don't know, like, I feel like that would just be really, it would just be really, even if it's not about jealousy or whatever, just the strangeness of the situation and the fact that like, they couldn't go through, it's almost worse that they couldn't go through with it. so much worse. Because now it's like taking over them. Right. And, you know, like the movie, like the final shots has the two couples kind of smiling at each other, which I, you know, I'm sure you could interpret as that being like, okay, they are reaffirming their love. But to me, it's kind of like, Forced smile, you know. Yeah, it's or very like, much well. Here we are. Very much uh, like you know, nowhere keep else telling to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And can we talk about the fact that like the couple with the most sexual chemistry in this movie is not a couple? 
but it's Natalie Wood and Diane Cannon. Yeah. Like, they got, like the fact that, like, I don't know, like, it's, you know, like, it, given the time period, like, they're not going to have too much gay stuff on the screen because God forbid. Well, but like, yeah. that's where this should have gone. Like, it's like the whole swapping thing. Forget that. Just, you know, go for it. Whoever you're into in that moment, have a good time. That's what this. I think if, been. if, yeah, if there were to be any queerness, it would have been between them. At the, yes. Because I also think that there is like such a lack of sexual chemistry between Robert Culp and Ellie Gould that there's almost sexual chemistry <laughs> there because like, yeah, they're yeah. trying so hard not enemies to, to friends. Like it's, yeah. Uh, and like, I, I think they're trying, <laughs> I, it's like, they're trying so hard not to have any kind of chemistry that like, there is some like that, like weird, like negative tension there where it's yeah. like, I feel like subconsciously latently somewhere down there. It's like, because I just, I like, don't know how you really come to like, the decision of like yeah let's like swap spouses i know we keep right. saying wife swap which i think is a little bit of a sexist term <laughs> but like I, I don't i've husband swapped it sounds so like i don't know yeah and that's the way this movie is presented i mean the way yeah. it's even discussed like you have characters saying well i'm gonna let you fuck my wife and yeah it's like, uh, ooh, i don't really like this <laughs> well it's also <laughs> like you know diane cannon be like would you take, would you go to bed with me versus like Elliot Gould be like, would you go to bed? You know, like, yeah, I think there's still, I mean, you know, I'm sure like, you know, it's has, I'm sure it's been said before that like, even within like the hippie movement and all this, like, you know, quote unquote progressiveness, like women were still seen as like objects, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and still defined by their sexuality. I mean, even like when they talk about, you know, when they talk about the affair that Bob had, it's sort of like this, like, unknown, unnamed chick who, I mean, they call her a chick. I think Natalie Wood calls her a bimbo. You know, it's just like... Just assume she's dumb, you know. Young, hottie, you know. Um, right. And, uh, and she's, like, 20 and a master's student. I'm like, is that even possible? I guess in the uh, 70s, anything, anything was possible. Yeah, why not? But... <laughs> <laughs> But, um, and, you know, of course, it's the, the two women who are the first to, like, strip down and, you know. Sure. Um, but, I mean, I think that, like, that, like, climactic, you know, dialogue scene is fascinating. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Diane Cannon really, like, is a firecracker. You know, she's, this like. Is, this is what I love about her performance. She's the only one in the movie who just is, like, going to call everyone out on their behalf. Yeah, she's. The like, from the very beginning. Everything. Like, yeah. she's, like, okay, clearly this is where this is headed. So let me just take off my dress and get this started. Like she's really like yeah. at that point, like, okay, fine. I'm annoyed enough. Let's do this. Because like, <laughs> like I, I I think Elliot Gould is trying so hard to like be the good guy or to like be honorable. Like, yeah. Be honorable, mm-hmm. like deny his attraction. And you know, Bob and Carol are like, you know, they're Let's off go. in the clouds. Yeah. Yes, yes. So she's the only one that's like, I'm actually the only one telling the truth here. And she's probably right. the only one who's like the most like level-headed, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's so and um you know, I love when Elliot Gould is like, I had an affair. And she's like, okay, good. <laughs> That's a keeps, great sequence. He okay, keeps good. repeating okay. it. And she's like, I said it was fine or something. It's very... Until <laughs> she really, finally uh, catches up with the whole yeah. thing. Because she's so engrossed in this conversation. And I also really love, there's a sequence after Natalie Wood's character tells the other couple that, you know, her husband cheated on her. And they go back to their house and they end up basically having an argument. Yeah. About, yeah. And, and like anyone who's been in a long-term relationship has had a moment like this where some, somebody tells you something about their life that's totally disconnected from you. And you're like, okay, now, now we're going to fight about this. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I think. And here's what I think. And it tells you something about your partner and the, the way they would handle things. Like, yeah. I love that. <laughs> cool reaction is like, well, you know, he just should have shut up. Like, why did he tell her? I don't understand. And she's like, no, why did he do it? That's the problem, you know, and they're, they're both upset at him, but for very, very different reasons. And that, that whole sequence with him being high and wanting to have sex and going on and on. And her laugh is just the most beautiful moment when she realizes actually she's out of birth control after all this, after like 25 minutes of talking and her finally kind of giving in and going, fine, we'll have sex, do what you want, whatever. And then they still can't. It's just a beautiful, beautifully written moment. And it is a very talky movie. It is less sexy than 
what's on the tin, right? You're like, yeah, oh, yeah. a movie about, you know, you're swapping couples and this is going to be hot. And it's set in the yeah. late 60s and blah, blah, blah. But it's still kind of hot. It's still kind of a sexy movie. Like, I, yeah. still, I think they I think they straddle that line better than something like Eyes, like, Eyes Wide Shut. Um, because Eyes Wide Shut, like, which I love, by the way, I think it's just about a I mean, perfect that's like movie. a horror movie. It's a psychological, you know. But which... all of the stuff leading up to it, all the ads were like, you know, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman have sex in this movie, right? Like yeah. that was the whole thing. So it was built up, built up, built up. Whereas this is like from the trailers and from the cover art, it's like this is going to be like a fun, cheeky sex comedy. And yeah. it's not quite that, but there is that in it, you know? And yeah. it just, and I mean, it it's a comedy good. about sex. Yes. You know? Um, you know, and what I love about that scene is sort of this, you know, he's, um, he keeps saying he wants to go for a walk and she's like, <laughs> don't leave, don't he, leave. And he's like, I wish I had a dog so I could take it for a walk. <laughs> he's so funny. I just, everyone, and it, like I was talking about at the beginning, it's so balanced. Like everyone has their moments, but it doesn't, the moments don't feel planned or plotted out. Like, okay, yeah. now it's time for Elliot Gould to be funny. Now it's time for Diane Cannon to be funny. It like works and like, you know, and connects and goes up and down and figures out its moments. It's just like so wonderfully crafted in that way that it never feels overly talky to me. Cause like, if you've ever been in long-term relationships, you know, what's talking long-term relationships, you end up talking yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, so this is what's going to happen. And I think all of the kind of ins and outs really, really work here. And it's like, even though it is an indictment of a lot of relationship stuff and it's, you know, it gets kind of existential at the end and super serious. Like I, every time I watch this movie, every time you tell me every two years to watch it, um, <laughs> it's like, it's really fun. Like yeah. I just really enjoy my time with it every single time and, it, and the runtime just kind of flies by for such a talking movie it's really impressive that it that it kind of manages all those variables really well yeah the comedy really jumped out for me in this movie um and the satire really jumped out as well and just sort of like you know i mean having been in a relationship for a year um and sort of like you know you just start to notice and you start to like there are things like you know like when I was sort of in like my like dating phases it was like one little thing I was kind of like all right this is it like I can't deal with that is this uh yeah is this a deal break everything feels like a deal breaker because you're so like you're closed off you don't everything could be a red flag you don't know like okay if he does this one time is this my life forever and now like having been in a relationship for a year I mean I know like a year isn't that long compared to like you know most marriages but um it's sort of like there are things that annoy me that I can live with and right. maybe one day it'll maybe like some days that's something I resent some days it's something that I find endearing sometimes just like whatever mm-hmm. and I imagine my boyfriend feels the same way where it's like sure. there are things about me that annoy him that he finds cute but also annoy him one day in a more real way one day more in like a whatever right, way like, so yeah. totally. and like I feel like this movie does a really good job of like capturing that kind of feeling of like you know what is it like to just like have a partner that is you know annoying sometimes or that is questioning a lot or who is like being hypocritical or being annoying uh, like nonsensical and stuff so um and it's like really funny in that way too and um Mm -hmm. i think the the way that these both like the way that these marriages are both played and and written are so they feel so like unique to each other, even though it's like four people just talking about their feelings. It feels like every character and even both marriages have such a distinct personality to them. Yeah, totally. And that like, you know, I think that um, like Bob and Carol, I feel like they're just like lying to themselves a lot and lying to each other. And, but like, I think they mean what they say and they believe they mean it. You know, right, like right. There's, there's so, so much like, rationalization. Yeah. Like you said, like get, just getting above and distant from their own relationship and their own life. Like we're just going to talk about it way up here. So we don't actually have to deal with the fact that we're broken as a, as a relationship. <laughs> so let's just keep our distance from it. You can definitely see that happening. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about like parenting in this movie because <laughs> uh, you know neither one of us is a parent 
but um, thank God. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, this, it's interesting to see a movie with like, you know, four adults who each have a kid, but like right. they're hardly seen parenting or like the kid doesn't consume their lives, which I think like a lot of young parents have that thing where yeah. it's like the kid. No, you just you just ship your kid off to your mother's while you bang the tennis pro. That that's yeah. life, right? right. That's, that's exactly how you should parent. <laughs> I think like one of the a, a really kind of telling scene is at that kid's birthday party where he wants to blow out the candle at someone else's party. Yeah. And how that's sort of allowed. And then it's like, don't countermand me. Right, right, I, right. I, for some reason, it feels like a really funny line to me. It's yeah. like a funny word to use um, instead of like contradict or undermine. It's almost it's almost strange that these people have children. Like yeah. a, the movie almost sees them more, the children more as props. Yeah. And to try and make these couples more real. Um, because like I maybe if you if you have these couples and they're just like young couples and just got married and having a good time, it doesn't really have the stakes that a couple with a young child has. Yeah, like maybe yeah. that's what they're going for. But like honest to God, when you were like, let's talk about parenting, I'm like, oh, they had kids? Oh yeah, I guess they did. Like it doesn't even really register for me it's because like, they're where, barely there. Like yeah, like where's the kid when like they're smoking pot together, you know? Or like, where's the kid where like when they're like in bed with each other, you know, like. Right, right. And, Who is taking care of these children? You know, <laughs> you, you mentioned the kids as props. And I wonder if that, like, do you mean they're props like within the filmmaking or props like for the characters or both? Both. A hundred percent both. Because like, yes. I definitely think that like, these are couples who are like, okay, we've been married for X number of years. We need a kid. Time to have a kid. Yeah. And then absolutely. now the kid's here and it can just be like, you know, it'll be there when we want it there. But then when right. we want to like smoke pot, it doesn't have to be yeah. there. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that was me. Not the, not the um, but yeah. And I, I, I and again, this is another thing of like, okay, like these people want to think they're so like, you know, evolved and so liberal and so progressive, but like they fall into this this like trap of like we need the like domestic suburban life, right? And the big house and the big presence and you know the like um, you know all the trappings of this like 1950s you know suburban house you know household, right? It's so interesting because I, you know, as I watched it the first time, like I said, I was definitely more like focused on, you know, the cool couple, right? Like the Natalie Wood couple, like, oh man, there's like, there's, they talk about their feelings all the time and they don't really get jealous and blah, blah, blah. As I watch it as two years later, I'm like, you know what? I like the neurotic couple. Like they're a little bit more real to me. Like they're being much more honest about their own situation. Like I think Diane Cannon and Elliot Gold are really, they seem more like real human beings Mm -hmm. because they're much more down to earth and they're, you know, they're fighting like real couples fight and they just kind of get down to it. And it's, it's much more genuine rather than this other couple. Who's kind of like, well, we went to this retreat and now, you know, really everything is fine. There is no jealousy. There is, uh, you know, there's no love involved in sex. It's really just like, Oh God, will you give it a rest? Mm -hmm. And I found myself getting actually much more easily annoyed with them the second time around, whereas like the very neurotic couple, I'm like, you know what? They seem like they're having a good time. Uh, I want to hang out with them a lot more. Yeah, um, yeah. And like, speaking of Elliot Gould, it's, it feels as I watch this now, it feels strangely revolutionary to see a man with body hair um, yeah, yeah. in a movie. Like, and not like perfectly tailored body hair with a treasure trail and all this stuff, but just like a normal guy with like hairy shoulders and a hairy back. And he's just a guy. Um, And you just don't see that now. And of course, the double standard for women still exists because you look at the women in this movie and they're like ideal, ideal, perfect. Right. And the guys look much more normal. So there's still that double standard. But like, I kind of miss the days of men on film that could be 
relatively naked and not be marveled out and six pack and giant guns. And it's just like, oh, that's a normal human man who's still attractive. Like yeah. this is this is really, really nice to see on screen. And you mentioned Karina Longworth, and this is where I was kind of gonna talk about this whole erotic 80s thing. And like I just I miss movies like this. Yeah. Like I miss movies that were about not just love, but relationships and sex and passion and the ups and downs and, you know, not being worried about like, oh, well, we can't have a sex scene here. If we have a sex scene, it has to be tied to the plot and all this nonsense. It's like it's in general, sex is a part of the human experience. There are exceptions. There are asexual people. There are people who choose not to have sex. But in general, the vast majority of us have some sort of sexual component to our lives, whether it's with ourselves or with other people. So it's like, I think to negate that in film takes away a lot of great storytelling. And this is a great example. If you take sex out of the equation of Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, there is no movie. Like everything, even if there's not a sex scene, Everything around this is exploration and discussion of sex and love. And I just like, I miss movies like this. We don't really get this, especially in like um, major studio American films. Like you better really get over that one inch barrier of subtitles. If you want to watch interesting movies about sex and love, because we can depend on, you know, Asian cinema and European cinema for that. Not so much American cinema. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And, you know, I, I, I think what's interesting about this movie and, you know, uh, we're now like, what, almost 60 years, you know? Uh, wow. Yes, that's true. Jesus. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say almost 60 years, but it's really like 52. So like, it's, not, it's not, not that much. We're like getting there. We're getting there. Um, but it's half a century ago. It's that's half a like, century. That's kind of mind blowing, honestly. If you look at the the filmmaking talent going on here, yeah. like and the kind of style of it and the structure, like it's crazy that we can watch movies from half a century ago and it not be that distant. Like I watched this with my fiance. I watched it with Tessa, and you know she's not a movie person like she likes movies and she deals with me wanting to watch movies all the time. And we have this giant list of movies she needs to watch with me. Cause I want to share that love with her, but she watched it and she had a great time. She enjoyed it. There wasn't like a, a disconnect where like, sometimes if you watch older movies, there is a big disconnect. This feels kind of astoundingly modern and of its time, like at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, the last major movie that was about relationships and, I mean, Marriage Story, like, yeah, does yeah, it go that? Yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah. there ha- I mean, you know, there have been movies like this since then. They're sure. mostly, like, either direct-to-streaming or they're smaller, but, like, right. Marriage Story feels like the last time we had, like, a big movie with, like, big movie stars by a big director man don't make me like that movie (laughs) (laughs) you're absolutely right though like that does feel like a throwback to something like this where you have major stars a relatively major director and during it yeah it went to streaming but it got a lot of publicity like it's not like some unknown gem i mean it went to streaming only in the sense of like netflix bought it you know like it's not like yeah and and also a movie that was just like, let's just examine a relationship from all these angles and like right. see like what are the cracks and what are like what are people like not saying to each other or to themselves? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like what happens when someone kind of has that like wake up moment and mm-hmm. everything around them kind of has to then crash around and like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean. I thought a lot about marriage story when I watched this movie. Um, and just because I just couldn't think of another marriage movie like this, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's both of these movies are kind of about like, what happens when like your house of cards falls, you right. know? And right. like, and it made me wonder, like, is every marriage a house of cards at, on some level or any relationship? Right. Because like, right there's just so many compromises and so many like unspoken resentments. I mean, look, I don't know. I've never been married, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but like, this is just my observation from like, you know, people that I know who have been married or like, you know, movies I've seen and or books I've read, like, mm-hmm. um, 
it just seems like is this is this what relationships are, are, are like? And I think Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice is like, you know, they're trying so hard. And I, I think, you know, Carol, I'm sorry, Alice and Ted to a much, much lesser extent, but I think Bob right. and Carol are trying so hard not to tip over their their house of cards. And I think that it's so it's so easy for them to really just like pretend that everything is fine when there's so many like cracks and right right yeah you know, i'm kind of waiting for like carol to have her like nicole and <laughs> marriage story <laughs> moment which is like waking up and being like wow like i've given my entire life to this guy right you know right and what yeah i, I mean turn i mean i think especially when you're talking about marriage in the sense of like well we do it like this because this is always the way marriage has been done. Yeah. And we've been married for two years. So now it's time to have a child. And now it's time to do this. Now it's time to do that. I think anytime you build a relationship based on expectations societally, you're going to have a house of cards. You're going to have things that you have these hidden resentments, these things you feel like you can't talk about, these things that you're supposed to accept because, well, I'm married. This is what this is what we do, right? Once you have that, then yes. But I think. You know, the glory of one of the glories of being queer um, and being able to experiment and knowing all these different sides of things, it's like you get to figure it out yourself. You get to build whatever it is you want in a relationship. That's the freedom of being with people who are queer as opposed to people who are like, well, I'm a woman, so I have to do this. And you're a man, so you have to do this. And once you get out of that structure and just kind of build the relationship that you want, I think it doesn't have to be a house of cards. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're stuck with this strange structure of marriage with a capital M, like Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice are, like the characters of Marriage Story are, like the characters that Eyes Wide Shut are, then yes, you clearly have a house of cards and you're like, "How how do I live? Right. Because I either I lie to myself about what this is, about what life is, about what love is, about what my partner is, or I burn it to the ground and start over. And that is terrifying. We know how to live in houses of cards. We know how to live within these structures because we've been trained to do it our whole lives by the culture we're a part of. But to really be daring and to really kind of burn everything down to the ground and build it from the ground up. That is terrifying, especially yeah. if you're a straight person. Sorry, straights. You, you're, you've got a hard life. I, I could never. This is oppression. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so like it's so fascinating to me to think that, um, you know, even as someone, even a couple that's like as somewhat dysfunctional as Ted and Alice might be, like they're the most functional, right? And you yes. know, the, the, the scene that I they're really functional love, in their dysfunction, like. yeah, like they <laughs> at least they're like talking openly. And you know, the, the scene that I really love is, um, you know, uh, Alice's therapy session, you know, where she says, I like, <laughs> I like my husband, I love my child, which I like, whoop. <laughs> and you know, I don't really think of her as as self-involved or as, you know, self-delusional as the other characters are. I think, as you mentioned, she seems the most to be self-aware and understanding what's happening. And um, I don't know. I also kind of reject this idea that like, this is a, you know, movie about like, you know, white people just talk about themselves. Like, I don't know. I feel like, you know, these characters are vapid, but they might be vapid. In, I think they're vapid in a, like, substantial way. Like, it says something about, I think that this movie is a very much of a critique of, like, these kinds of, like, rich characters who have, like, nothing going on in their lives. They, like, create these problems. Right, right. And at some level, anyone from any background, any situation, you get them talking about their relationships. We're all self-serving and vapid and self-focused like that's you know like it doesn't even matter like it just we all are and i think it's i don't know i think it's a cheap critique and a really easy critique to just be like oh this is just rich people's problems like yeah, yeah but like you could i mean you could say you know um that uh like the florida project like ah, it's just poor people's problems who gives a shit like it's just you can yeah. you can give that critique about any yeah, group yeah, yeah. you don't <laughs> happen to care about them i think there's still 
something to be gained by looking deeply at what's going on in this movie, because I think it has something to say about relationships and love and monogamy and honesty and trust and friendships. I think it really does have a lot to say. And I think I love a comedy with a lot on its mind because I, it kind of it gets under under your skin a little bit because you're watching. You're like, oh, I'm enjoying this. This is fun. These people are ridiculous. And then by the end of the movie, you have that. Oh, moment. Yeah. <laughs> by the end, like oh, I need to have some deep thoughts about my own past and love life and things I've done and choices that I've made and all that. So I think it really it really works on a lot of levels. Yeah, um, you know, we talk about this movie as being something that isn't steam that often, and and I think um, this movie was nominated for best cinematography, hmm. and uh, I was very surprised to hear that, not because it didn't deserve, but just because you know it doesn't scream. Yeah, it's not striking in that way. It doesn't show off. Yeah, in that way. Um, totally. Cinematography was done by Charles E. Lang, who um, is a very celebrated uh, cinematographer. He won the Academy Award for Farewell to Arms, and I oh, okay. And then he'd been working with like Billy Wilder for like he worked in Sabrina and some like it hot. Um, I've heard that guy's okay. It's pretty yeah, good yeah. With Billy Wilder um, and. <laughs> You know, he was on The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, uh, The Uninvited, like very prominent guy in the 19, you know, 40s and 50s. And this was his second to last film. Mm. Um, and yeah, this movie, it's like, you what? I feel like a, I learned that while I was watching the movie. And then after having learned that it was an Oscar nominated cinematography, it was kind of like, the movie just kind of like really opened up. <laughs> for me mm. in terms of like what its cinematography was doing, like its use of close-ups, the way the camera would move um, and just like how much the camera was um, like really getting involved in these dialogue scenes. Like mm-hmm. it, it was always moving around. It was like up close. It was a lot of really great cuts here and like really mm-hmm. good, like um, uh, really good use of like comic camera work at times. Uh, yeah. But uh, what did you think of the camera work? I mean, I think it's you can tell there's great cinematography in a movie like this when you're not bored, because it is just four people talking like that's that's all this movie is. And that would be really easy to make static um, and to get you know, kind of tedious after a while. But also, I think I kind of love that, like you mentioned all that. And I, as I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's not something I really noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of, it straddles that line between not being a static shot film, but also not, it's not, you know, filmed by a hyperactive seal either. It's not like whiplash everywhere you go and all yeah. this going back and forth yeah. and quick cuts and, you know, really strong choices. It just, it, it captures the energy of each of these scenes. Like even the, the camera kind of following Natalie Wood as she goes, as she like walks back to the kitchen in this restaurant, <laughs> like she owns the place. I'm just going to go track down the, our waiter um, and just, you know, seeing how the camera follows her. And I think the movie also does a pretty good job of not lingering too much on bodies. Um, mm-hmm. This would be very, very easy to be super male gazy. There's a little yeah, bit a little of bit, it, but... but man, I have seen, I've seen way worse in the last 10 years let alone in the late 60s, early 70s. But, I, you know, I think, honestly, the most male gazing moments in the movie are in that introduction where there's just, like, random female nudity uh, for, for, like, almost no reason. You're like, why are we? And it's very much, I, I think it's a setup. Right. I think they're using those moments of nudity to be like, ah, this is a sexy movie. Yeah, you came to the right movie. And then they go, gotcha. Actually, we're going to talk about our feelings for two hours. <laughs> so get ready. So, yeah, yeah. I think the, I think the cinematography, I've, it's one of those movies that it makes me happy that it was honored um, because this is not a it's not showy. Um, there's a lot of movies cinematography wise it's like oh this is our this is our moment we're really gonna grab your attention and this just flows along with the movie i think perfectly Mm -hmm. yeah um i'm just looking up to see okay like the last time a movie like this was nominated for best cinematography so 
just bear with me. Um, okay. I, yeah, I agree. And I, I think what's, uh, I think what's interesting about the male gaze part of it is that like this movie is kind of male gazy, but only in the sense because like the, the male characters, you know, I think on some level they objectify their wives, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, what? what's interesting is that Merit's story was not nominated for Best Cinematography. Good. Um, <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> I think A Star is Born, like that's... Oh, maybe. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. not really huge spectacle type camera work. I mean, obviously there's stuff like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and, and Nomadland and, you know, Nightmare Alley or whatever. But I think those still have elements of like grandeur you know right i mean you think about nomadland and that got nominated because of all the nature bits yeah as opposed to like the character moments right yeah but i really would think that a star is born i would say would be the last one of like this is a human drama you know yeah yeah totally Um, yeah and um i just like one of my favorite shots in the film is with uh robert culp kissing Diane Cannon and his eyes just open really wide and he's like looking <laughs> he's not looking at her he's just looking at like straight into the camera like probably at the ceiling and his mind just being like what the hell am I doing right right off into the middle distance just yeah. kind of like oh no and I think there's like there's a little moment there too where he's almost like looking at us like yeah and he's like bringing us into this horrifically awkward moment where you've kissed somebody and there is nothing behind it. It's like, there's no tension. There's no romance. There's no nothing. And you're just they're, like, what do I do now? They're not even <laughs> moving their heads, you know, nope. they're just smashing lips together. Like, yeah. Just- <laughs> and you can't see it, but you can just tell it's not, there's no kind of sexual intimacy there. Yeah, yeah. Um, even just the way her head is just like tilted, like I'm like, you're gonna break your neck, girl. Right, right. <laughs> um, Stop you, working so hard. Have you ever opened your eyes when you're kissing someone and you're just like it's awkward? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're just like yep. someone's face is just right like, there. Like so they're just smashing yeah, their like, face against my face. This and, is- I mean, it is one of show, those moments where you're you if you don't have passion that moment you, you realize how weird intimacy yeah, is exactly like, and, how much, <laughs> and how much in, intimacy and sexual chemistry is like mental and physical and or mental and emotional instead of physical absolutely you know? yes like, yes um so that's I, I really love that that moment in the film um any other, it like, feels for, like it feels like the moment when if you've ever like made out with someone while you're under the influence of substances and the substance start to wear off yeah, in the middle and you're like yeah. oh what am i doing like who is this person and it's like the cold light of day has shown and you're like oh god how do i get out of this without hurting this person's feelings how do yeah, I walk away? yeah what is are, do, are there any other like favorite lines or moments or scenes in the film that really stand out to you i kind of like i mean you talked about it a little bit but that um sequence with elliot gould and diane cannon where he wants to go for a walk yeah. i really this time especially i just really found the physical comedy especially of her really endearing yeah. like they're just kind of climbing all over each other and like trying to quote unquote escape and getting in a fight and turning over, but then not wanting the person to leave, like the kind of give and take it, it did feel almost like something out of a great sitcom. Like it was just like, no, I've seen this before, uh, but their personalities really, really make it work. And the camera does a good job there too, of like capturing those moments and capturing the movement and then the reversion back and forth. Like I, that's one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. Like I just, kind of i kind of am enthralled by that interaction and just the repetitiveness of their fight you know right she said i think she says like would you want to do something non-consensually like eight times and i'm like how is this poor man supposed to answer that and i love that he comes back well i wouldn't want to do anything non-consensual i would yeah (laughs) you know when she finally agrees to it you know and it and and i think that's an interesting moment because i think it kind of it's interesting because that comes full circle where like, he's the one who kind of doesn't want to do this. 
yeah. like with all four of them. And she kind of pulls him along just like he was pulling her along in that moment. It's a really, it's a really interesting choice to have one of those four, one of the men be like, no, why are we? No, I don't want to do that. We shouldn't do that. Like what is happening here? Whereas like the two women are like, let's go. And the, you know, and the other guy with his weird blouse that he's wearing throughout the entire movie, is just like, yeah, man, let's go. Someone unlace me. I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> we love a blouse. I mean, this movie has incredible costume design. It does. You know, yes. I love, again, like, it, it, I think it points to the satire where, like, a lot of their clothes feel really ridiculous. And I think yeah. very intentionally and pointedly so. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when, again, Ted and Alice are in the drive-through and she needs a glass of water. <laughs> oh, for yeah. Her, like, that horribly I... racist, like <laughs> Mexican face that is a speaker. Yes. And uh, he just can't get a glass of water from the uh, drive-through guy. It's a and great like, Elliot Gould moment. Like, like, I just want the water. <laughs> and he's like, he orders a taco and he's like, I don't want the taco. I just I had to get it to get your was so funny. <laughs> Uh, but it's again, it's that like couple thing where it's like you just like need something and you just can't get right. it, and you have your wife in the front seat like complaining, and you're like, "Girl, threatening to vomit, like yeah. if you don't get me water, I'm going to throw up in your car." Yeah. Like it's yeah, I mean, it, it's so interesting to watch Elliot Gould as a young man because like. You know, some people as they age, you're like, wow, that person looks totally different from the young version. And yeah, Elliot Gould is, it's like the opposite. Yeah, yeah, he just like, if you just like color his hair gray and throw a couple more wrinkles in it, he's Elliot Gould from Friends. Like, it's like, it's he's the exact same face throughout his entire life. And I just love, he's so innately comedic. Like, this is why I'm actually more impressed with his performances uh, in something like uh, The Long Goodbye or The Silent Partner, you know, like where it's like very serious and very kind of dour. Um, But here it's like, man, you were made for this. Like, this is the perfect casting for you. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that Friends is only like 14 years after this. That doesn't seem correct. Like, I know it is. I know you're not lying to me, but I'm like, what? For real? (laughs) (laughs) And how, like, in 14 years, his kid, his kid in this movie is, like, what, five, seven, whatever. And then he's a, you know, parent to, like, a 30-year-old 14 years later. (laughs) But, like, he looks, he's always looked the same age. Um, Yeah, yeah. Like, if you told me in this movie that he was 25 or he was 45, I'd be like, okay. Like, either one. Yeah, yeah. Either one absolutely works. Yeah, I I just think he's kind of a secret weapon of any movie he's in, whether it's an Oceans movie or this or, you know, it's just like there's a weird neurotic comfort to Elliot Gould being in a movie. Like, there's some actors who focus on neuroses that I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Like, say, Woody Allen. Like, even before all the awful stuff with Woody Allen. Like, he's just an uncomfortable presence. Yeah. But here, he's like, oh, yeah, I I would hang out with Elliot Gould. Seems like a good dude. He's got a lot of problems. He's a little wacky, but, like, he seems like a good person to hang out with. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that I want to mention is that we have not mentioned the name of the writer-director of the film. At least I don't think we have. Paul Mazursky. Uh, famous guy. Academy Award nominated several times over. Most famous for an unmarried woman, aside from this film, uh, which is... I don't know if you've seen that, but it's a very... Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful film. I really recommend any listener um, who has not uh, seen it to check that out. It's a great, it's a great movie. Um, also, this movie was nominated for uh, Best Original Screenplay, um, and Ellie Gould and Dan Cannon were also nominated. Okay, um, that makes sense. For Oscars. I, I think Natalie Wood and Robert Culp also should have been, but I'm not going to go look to see who was nominated in their place. I don't really care that much. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, this movie did, and this movie was a hit, you know, and it was, uh, it got like probably mixed of positive reviews, but I think it's definitely has gotten more appreciated uh, as it gets older. Um, yeah, it does. It yeah. doesn't surprise me that some of the actors are nominated. Like this is so much a showcase um, for the actors. Like, yeah, really, like, yeah it's, it's much more surprising that the camera work was nominated. The actors I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I want to mention is that 
at the beginning of this podcast, I said it was All You Need Is Love is a song. Of course, it's What the World Needs what Now. Needs it's now. Love. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Two songs I will never, ever get straight, which one is which. So <laughs> <laughs> this is on brand for me. But I think What the World Needs Now Is Love is even more. It's so cheesy. Easy to make fun of. Yes, agreed. Um, and yeah, so it doesn't have the ca- cachet of the Beatles behind it to protect it. Like it's right, it's very right, silly, right. very silly. Yes, uh, but a banger, which will close out this episode. <laughs> mark, you know, mark my words. Um, yes. Anything? Any final thoughts on the film? Any kind of lingering concerns or question? Or sorry, any lingering yeah. comments or? Uh, thoughts on the film <laughs> concerns no Sorry. i don't have any concerns we're good um no i it's it's interesting uh, a talking movie like this i think usually does not benefit from rewatches but this one really does i think it has maybe more depth than i gave it credit for the first time through the first time through like i think i gave it like four and a half stars or something i think it's a very very good movie but it was very much like just a showpiece for the actors like oh i just love these actors so much and they're they're really getting to play around and have a good time but like the more i watch it like the more and i love a movie that you can read more than one way uh and this is definitely one of those like if you want to read it as you know an indictment of marriage entirely you can't and if you want to read it as like no stick with your partner you can absolutely read it that way too it just provides so much openness for that and room for discussion and i love a movie like that and like if you've made it all the way through this episode um and haven't seen it like luckily i i think this is kind of spoiler proof like i don't think it matters if you know what's coming i think it's still like really enjoyable and and a movie we don't get a lot of anymore, a type of movie we don't get a lot anymore. And I like highly, highly recommend that people watch it because it's truly so enjoyable. Like up until the very last, like maybe 15 minutes, like this is just like nonstop fun. Like I'm having a great time. And then it's like, okay, come time to get serious. Viewer, we're going to really talk about what marriage is about and what relationships are about. But up until then, it's like a jaunt. It's so much fun. I have a great time with it. Yeah, um, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I mean, I, I really think this movie is worth watching. I think it's relevant to this day. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think it's like it's a great showcase for the actors, but I think it's just such a like the dialogue is just so brilliant. Um, the concept yeah. of the movie is really smart. You know, this idea mm-hmm. of like one couple kind of infecting the other and kind of what that yeah. means for for everyone and. Um, yeah, I think it's a really great uh, kind of satire of the 1960s. Uh, reminded me a lot of the Ice Storm. Oh yeah, yeah, um, totally. Which takes place. You like, would like a, bring up <laughs> a movie from that director. You would. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. I, <laughs> Your guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the great Ang Lee. Um, but. This movie obviously takes place, you know, a couple of years before the ice storm, but it's the same kind of like thing. And I, I, I think a really smart thing that Ang Lee said about the ice storm is that it's about people who live in this like, you know, progressive free love era who are even more conservative and closed off yeah. and, um, you know, rigid and heteronormative than they think they are. And I think this movie is, I think Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice is very much in that, in that, vein too of like people who think they're so above it all but you know when it comes down to it they are just as scared to leave their comfortable little boxes um and i think that's really i think it's a it's kind of a cool statement i think it makes this movie a little bit more progressive a little bit more like anti-heteronormative than women imagine but i think as you're saying i i think it's definitely open to that interpretation of being very much about reinforcing you know monogamous marriage i mean definitely our queen karina thought so uh (laughs) which i thought was a little surprising to be honest um but you know she's also you know like her, I, I think she's the same age as the young kids in this movie. So mm-hmm. I imagine, you know, her generation uh, is very, um, you know, has a different kind of take on that. So, yeah. I mean, I think the, the final lesson we should learn from this movie is such, don't be straight. Straight is bad. Don't do it. Honestly, Just... my, <laughs> me, me as a proselytizer, you know. <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, David, thank you so much 
for being here. I'm so happy to podcast with you again. Please let the listeners know where they can find you, if you're working on anything, what you, whatever you want to talk about. Sure. Um, you can sadly fi- still find me on Twitter um, at DarnThatDave, uh, putting out takes that uh, no one likes. Um, so please follow me there. And uh, if you want to listen to more of my podcasting, I do another podcast called Off Screen Death with my friend Mike. Uh, so check that out. And I'm also an editor over at In Session Film. Um, so basically anything that goes on, up on that website is really my work because I've tweaked it and made it presentable for you. No, I'm just kidding. All of our writers are really, really good and they make my job very, very easy. But I also write for that website as well. So you can find me on Twitter, on other podcasts, and you can find my writing at InSessionFilm.com. I know, RIP your Criterion column. Yeah, that's, the Criterion is just too expensive. I'm getting married, yeah. man. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> cut costs. <This> is... <laughs> um, well, you know, thankfully, your uh, soon-to-be bride is worth that. Um, a thousand times over. A thousand no times doubt. over. Uh, Yes, well, thank you, and um, everyone should follow you on Twitter because, you know, even at your most obnoxious takes, uh, they're very entertaining and on brand, and I love it, even when I just want to, like, I don't know, toss my phone into the sea. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's where the name comes from, like, ah, darn that day. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, Yeah, love it. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at vertigate314. Also, follow the podcast at It Pops With You. Please remember to rate, view, and subscribe to the podcast. Help people find the show. Thanks so much for listening, Dave. Thank you. Um, if you ever invite me to an RG, I'm going to say no, but I'll appreciate the invite. <laughs> You'll never say no. Don't lie. Okay, it's true, actually. <laughs> you know. Off mic, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> only if uh, Elliot Gould is there. Okay, okay, we'll, we'll make this happen. He's still alive, right? I, I hope so, I yeah, think I think so. he's still yeah. with us. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> want to make it clear, but he does not want to sleep with dead Elliot Gould. That is, that's not what we want here. Like Friends <laughs> season two, Elliot Gould. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for listening, um, and Dave, thank you. Have a good night. Everyone.